For some, sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com in the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Ooh, it's spooky season. Welcome to, <laughs> Welcome to the Church of the Corn. I didn't think you'd do it. <laughs> well, I felt like it was a dare, so I went with it. Anyway, welcome to the Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. We are celebrating a victory. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. Not not even one. Um, yeah, Drake. You saw the I bad had, slip. I posted it. I had doubts. Very early, I had doubts. Did you, though? I mean. See, if I would have live tweeted the game. We would have known I never had doubts, but I didn't live tweet. I promised you. Uh, don't worry. I did it. I did it last night for you. <laughs> and and it was something because uh, it was it was an interesting game. Um, it counts as not live tweeting if all I did was retweet and like, right? Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> yeah, that's completely different. Um, we are going to get into the Rutgers game breakdown, uh, go over some players that we thought showed up big for the Huskers. And there were quite a few. Um, so I'll be interested to see you guys pick. We got recruiting with Brian Munson, uh, 9.30 just like normal, and then we'll kind of fill the show with whatever else. So let's get into the big news for the day. Once again, Nebraska beat Rutgers. Huge game. Um, You never thought you'd say that about Rutgers, but huge game for Nebraska. They needed it, and somehow we are talking about them being 500. Yeah, and five, first, first in the Big Ten West by a game for another four one, hours. Number yeah. one. Yeah, l- like I said last night, talk talk that talk because uh, when was the last time we've been sole leaders of the division? It's been I, a while. I can't remember the last time I felt okay about the program and especially all the chaos that's going on right now. Yeah. Somehow there's an adult in the room <laughs> leading. It's not the, us. It, it's definitely not us. Doesn't seem like a rudderless ship right now. Is yeah. I guess what I mean. Um. So first off, I I want to give some credit to Rutgers. They they were tough. Um. Extremely tough. More more tough than I expected them to be in year two under Shiano. Shiano's personality has shined through quickly with that group. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of plays last night where I was like, okay, those like I appreciated the fire from them, but. You know, there was a play where you talking about the personal foul or the roughing. Uh, no, there there was no penalty on it, but K- Casey got laid out. One guy immediately dove on the ground and got in his face mask. Oh, you talking about seventy one at the and goal line? Se- seventy one like kind of was waiting for him to be counted out, like it was. Yeah, a yeah, like seventy. I thought he was going to raise his leg and pretend to pee on him for a second. Actually, don't old miss um, it. Yeah, so there there was some things that you know. I'm okay with in football, and that was that was it too. Uh, I think you get to talk that talk in a violent sport, but uh, I owe an apology to Garrett Nelson. I I came on the show a couple weeks ago. I said that I felt like he was physically limited in some of his abilities, and for two weeks the guy has shined. Um, and I'm learning this more and more about a lot of guys on that defense that I didn't really know what they were capable of. I didn't 
like we we've talked about it, right? We we knew under Schneider that they were paralyzed a little bit trying to make too many paralysis reads. by analysis. But I didn't realize how bad it was for some of those guys. And Garrett Nelson was definitely one of those guys. Ty Robinson's another one. Uh, so I I'm more than happy to sit here and eat crow. Uh, where I you know I said some of these guys were were limited, but they are playing significantly better under new leadership. Yeah, it's been really interesting just to see the mental switch from what was going on on Shenander to Bush. And it's, just, I think, a simplification of the scheme and knowing guys knowing where they need to be. Uh, you've seen it a couple times when Rutgers would shift late or, or motion late. There was a little bit of communication, but nothing like we were seeing previously where it was up to two seconds before the snap. Yeah. Guys seemed to know where they were. Uh, I think one of the big things was uh, tackling seemed to be a little bit more relaxed in the first half as opposed to the second half. Yeah, and that, you know, I was just going to say, a uh, player last night who improved great, like, opening drive early in the first half, Nick Henrich, I was I was getting ready to blow a gasket. Uh, constantly trying to tackle high, got stiff-armed twice on where he had position and couldn't make the play. God, those running backs at Rutgers have one of the best stiff arms in college football, if that's late, the case. <laughs> but, yeah, late in the game. Henridge yeah. comes through late behind the line of scrimmage, takes the guy out at his legs, huge play, leads to an interception following that. Uh, so that that's just a microcosm of what's happened with this defense in terms of making improvements not only throughout the game but so far this season. So Who would have thought the defense and offense totally switched places? And if, and if here's the, for me, and it's just, it's it's puzzling. If you can do what Bush and, and – uh, Joseph and the rest of the staff and the players have essentially done in three weeks and changed that defense. You know, we joked at the beginning that we're in first place of the Big Ten West, and it's been a long time. They were flashing stats last night on the television of I'm going to tell you know, everybody we're first long, today so much. You know, talk how many one-point losses we've had versus coming up with the win. Insane. But just look at football right now as a whole uh, in the top 25 – and again, it's still it, it just kind of give it, it lets you hang on to the idea that it may not take that much for Nebraska to back in it. I mean, you look at from let's just say thirteen down, Kentucky, NC State, Wake Forest, then you've got BYU, TCU. So now all of a sudden, and it's been a long time. UCLA's in the top twenty-five. Kansas is in the top twenty-five. Washington's back in there, and Syracuse sits in top twenty-five at number twenty-two. You're telling me that with the right leadership, whomever that might be, and a little bit more structure, something that is defined, that works for the players, that that turnaround wouldn't need to be that long. So we we take this win, and and right now, it's just house money, right? You, you've got nothing to lose except the game. I get it. But... There's no, there was no expectation after you lose to Georgia Southern, you fire Frost. There's no expectation. I wouldn't even, you know, Albert said at a, um, down at the Millard Social Hall this week, talked about it, referred to the coaching job. It's like a, Nebraska's a diamond in the rough right now. I don't think it's even, it just, it's not even diamond in the rough. It just needs a little bit of polishing, right? It's, it's been there. I think we have what what could be something good and it just gives you a little bit more promise looking at like looking at stuff like this now the bottom could fall out on half of those teams we just mentioned but why could still can't, fall out on why us. can't nebraska 
just slowly just continue this ascension right now, whatever that level is, and then you have a better place to start come winter conditioning and, you know, fall practices or spring practices, all that. Yeah, and to build off of that for for all the uh, why not wait till October 1st and save yourself $7.5 million people out there, this is why. Those two wins are a heck of an investment right now. Yeah, you, I mean... This is why you don't wait till October 1st or October 2nd because, yeah, Mickey's first game, he gets boat raced by Oklahoma, but you can't convince me that Scott Frost, uh, Scott Frost team wouldn't have got boat raced in that game either. I think they get boat raced by Rutgers, a Scott Frost-led team. I, if it starts like it did last night, 100%. Yep. And how nice was it to be on the other side of that where some of the coaching decisions and some of the management decisions – and and I've never been one on Shiano as far as like in game type of stuff. Like, give me a him as a defensive coordinator, special teams connection. I think you've got something. Um, I just there's moments where he just doesn't necessarily, and it looks what we've seen over the last you know four years as well. So I was it was nice to be on the other side of that for a change. Can we talk about how last night to the end of the game? Yeah, it's our show. Go ahead. Rutgers did the most Greg Shiano thing it's my ever. Show. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember this. I think it was his first NFL game as a head coach. But when we're in victory formation, they're trying to steal the snap. Do you guys remember when that happened in the NFL under Shiano? Oh yeah, yeah I can't remember try, what trying to hit the, and they were going after the yeah. center and almost kind of the knees and stuff. It got yeah, yeah. And you know, just because you're in victory formation, I think last night was a good reminder of hey, we still gotta you know take care of our stuff. I don't know if I love the idea of our victory formation going into shotgun, but we almost lost a snap last night. So that's just something to keep in mind. But again, credit to Rutgers. Their turnaround has been impressive. Uh, I heard Connor say it yesterday on, on the Happer show, depending on who the next head coach is, this thing at Nebraska could get look a lot better and get turned around a lot faster than anybody thinks. There's talent in there. Um, obvious, uh, you know, we don't have to go too much into it. Offensive line needs to get fixed. It, it's just a bunch of turnstiles out there, but there's promise. And I didn't think I would say that middle of the season after firing a head coach that there's still a lot of promise in this program. Yeah, there is. I mean, th- there's a lot to fix, but the good news is now w- with the wins, it looks better at this point. Uh, there's, I, I believe it was Lou Holtz that came out with this that said there's four stages of a program build. Lose big, lose close, win close, win big. Nebraska is somewhere in that middle two. I don't know where they're at, but it seems like, once again, we all know talent's not the problem. Talent has never been the issue. Coaching has been the problem. Development has been the problem. Fundamentals have been the problem. It's the basic things to build a program Nebraska has not done right. And we keep overlooking it. And and as fans and as coaches, we've tried to go the quick fix the last four or five years. Um, And and it's what we were fed and it's what we all bought into. I did it as hard as anybody because I want the program to be successful regardless. And we've talked about this. We own this. Of of course, of course. Um, But what Mickey is doing is Mickey is going back to the fundamentals. If I can fix this, then we can build from there, which is what you're seeing. Last night, Nebraska just out-toughed Rutgers and out-didn't shoot themselves in the foot when it counted. They shot themselves in the foot in the first half. They did not in the second half. They made the plays when they needed to. 
And that comes down to there being an adult in the room that's holding everybody accountable for their actions. And that's what Mickey's doing. That's what Joseph or that's what um, Bush is doing. And then you've got Whipple on the offensive side of the ball doing it. What this staff has done in a short turn is nothing short of impressive. Well, and I think when you look at, and we'll get to this when we uh, get to our coaches conclave down the down the line with our fantastic opening from Conrad with a K. We look at some of these other coaches that are coming from other programs, and most of them, especially when you have your coaches, and you go back, you know, six seven years, your PJ Flex, all these guys that have come out of the MAC, they've come out of Conference USA, whatever it is. And they built those programs. And a lot of it comes down to doing more with what they had or taking what they already had and then elevating what they inherited. And that's the development piece you just hit on. And that, for me, that's been the most lacking part of this for the last eight years. I I believe, and it it was on the field, you could see it, players developed under Pelini. Players developed under Solich. Players developed under, we can go all the way back, and I know there's a some a lot of stuff been written recently on the Callahan hire as the turning point and the death nail of Husker football in the last you know 22 years. But even the offensive line there, and again, but that's a pure example too of you don't hire the right people. Offense couldn't be stopped. Defense couldn't stop anyone. So. I think it just comes into you know how this is going to shake out as we as we go forward, but it's, it'll be nice to get into this game here in a little bit more. Yeah, we're we're up against it here. We're going to get to a break, but I'm going to ask you guys this question, and then uh, we'll answer it when we come back. I Zach, this is mainly for you too, because Chubba Purdy's your boy. Are you guys surprised? I want you to think about it over the break. Are you guys surprised that we didn't make a long term quarterback change last night? I felt like Casey lost a lot of zip on the ball. He was struggling. Um, think about it. Let's talk about it when we get back. Yeah, and if you want to join in the conversation, give us a call, 402-951-1620. We are going to take a quick break. When we return, we are going to – I have things to say before we go on the break. Oh, what you got? Cool. Go Celtics? Uh, Well, yeah. No, because I was talking over Fitz for a second, and then I was like, I should shut up. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking the same thing, but go ahead. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) I want more drop-ins from Dynamite Conrad with a K. Uh, The first back-to-back win since 2018 – and this is the, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Nebraska has had a winning has had a coach with a winning record since Mike Riley. That's what I honestly That's accurate. thought. Yeah. Hip, hip, hooray. I was going to say, I think I put that set out a couple weeks Conrad, ago. That, yeah. Now you have to go get us some ice cream for Woo! the locker room. Sprinkles. Oh, yeah. And movie night. And movie night. I like Sorry. it. I got one more thing. What's up? Jeez. I love it. You're welcome. That's <laughs> Now we can go to break. That's beautiful. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance on 1620 The Zone. Let's get a little bit deeper into the game against Rutgers. Uh, We'll talk some more specifics. 
Uh, it was a big game going to Piscataway, New Jersey. Weird start time, 6 p.m. on a Friday night. Starting the season 1-3 and three and now at 500. Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush Woo! doing some great things. I like that, Conrad. I like the enthusiasm. Let me, let me re-ask the question I asked before break. Yep. Uh, I was just painting the scene. No, no, no. I know, but I, I want to ask you, it. In, I want to ask it <laughs> in a uh, little happy squirrel in Piscataway. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna happy little throw a little green on the tree. Uh, no, I, I'm gonna re-ask the question a different way. I don't think I asked it well before break. Not really. How far behind are are the backup quarterbacks for what Whipple wants to do offensively? That when. It doesn't look like Casey Thompson can get up. That we still have to roll him out there. I think that was more of a Thompson decision than anything. I think Thompson, he said it. He's playing every game, beaten up and bruised. Yeah, and, no, and I get that. But, but if if you can't throw ten yard outs, which he was struggling to do last night, he had no zip on the ball. His arm is was clearly in some serious pain last night. As a coach, you can't give him that option if you have somebody ready to go. And it doesn't seem like either of those guys are ready to go. They would have to change the scheme mid-game. But look, so... And this isn't week, a shot at Casey. I, no, I love Casey. Week, last week and this week. Last week was coaching decision for a play. And you question the timing of it because he brought him down in on the two or the three-yard line. Again, last night, when Purdy comes in for his first snap, it's not the best situation, right? They're down against it. They're behind the sticks. And he's got to come in and, and, and make a play. I, I, I believe that if you if if Purdy had, you know, seventy percent of the reps during the week, um, yeah, there's gonna have to be some some changes in the in the game plan. But I don't think there anything because I think he can throw. I think he can move a little bit more. Part of and we'll like I said, we'll get into this here in a little bit, but as we break down the game more, I just think if you give him, you know, a, a few series I think we're going to see that he's more than capable. Here's the thing, though, and he's got to get he's more reps during the week. Still a freshman. Yeah, he's just, he needs he's way more reps freshman, during the but week. But he looks, he looks the part. I mean, I think he could do some some things. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I I would like to to see him get those opportunities. Whether it's give him a full quarter, give him you know, and just kind of see where you're at. Now, I don't want it. I don't want it for the sake that Thompson is is hurt and can't play. Um, you just maybe need to. Maybe you could rest him. Maybe it's a. Maybe it's a. <laughs> at this point, security blanket. At this point, with the beating Casey's taken, we got to do something to get that second guy ready. Yeah, because he's not going to make it the rest of the season. So, so they they go through and and we talk about the beating and stuff that that Thompson personally was taken. Um, Zach, what was your kind of reaction to how the offense played first half versus the how the offense played second? Did you see? changes that they were making or, or what brought that what brought that on in your opinion yeah um they seemed to in the first half they seemed very disjointed casey seemed very rattled which playing behind that offensive line i totally get it but I he feel created it too. he created extra oh, pressure rolling out when he had no reason to of course and that made it tougher on the on the tackles who have been struggling anyway when you're pulling out of the pocket early that dn gets a free rush at that point and then but that's again, where you're getting your, your I totally understand. Yeah, he's getting skittish, but then you get your second half. They started getting Anthony Grant a little bit more in space. They started feeding him the ball a little bit more. They started moving the pocket a little bit more. Uh, they did take some more deep shots, which I was impressed. And honestly, that's where they got their the game clinching touchdown was with Palmer in the end zone. 
um, impressive throw. It just seemed like they, I I don't know, it just seemed like they came out a little bit more confident. Whatever the staff did to make those second-half adjustments, kudos to them because the game plan from first to second half looked completely different. Well, and look look at what they were doing to Rutgers. It's something that has happened in Nebraska for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, those crossing routes, right? Those shallow crossing routes. And the drag, baby. Got, the they, drag. They got him out there. Easy five yards was, every time, just that about. Was, that was the thing. It was So it didn't force him to roll. And that's what I've been wondering. It's not just this season either. You've got to find ways with the offensive line as that is now, as it was before. Because, and not to bring up, you know, Adrian, but we all heard that, you know, he was nicked up. He was back. It starts to make sense. When you now look back at just in the short time that Thompson's been behind that offensive line, whomever is there. He took them out to the, dinner. I don't know why they're so mad at him. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. I just so here's I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that. When the game starts and I'm intently watching when Ben Hart started at right tackle, I I couldn't handle it. I was frustrated, I was mad. I don't I just don't think he'd earned in my opinion, I don't think he earned that right to start. But nobody's taking it from him either. And they were rotating. Well, they did around. say they're splitting snaps fifty-fifty between him why, and Anthony. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a struggle, but it is you've got we we were talking about this on break. You've got Alex Lewis for Rutgers, who's a who's a fine player. He made he made his mark last night. But those whoever was in at right tackle for the most part was making Alex Lewis look like um, and. And left tackle. I mean, the the play where he chopped uh, Turner Corcoran was ridiculous. Like, that chop should not make Turner Corcoran basically stop in his tracks and almost fall over. Well, they're already falling. You you broke it down. They're already falling backwards a little bit. But when you're making these guys week in and week out look like Lawrence Taylor. Well, it's knee benders versus waist benders. If if you're bending at the knees, then you're in a proper position because you've got the leverage. Mm -hmm. When you start bending at the waist, that's when it's real easy to get sucked in. And I mean, a defensive end can have a field day with you at that point because you're so off balance. You You don't have a base. The adjustment last night that that made the big difference in that second half, I, I don't know quite how to describe it. The offensive line did a much better job of at least forcing those edges to go all the way outside and downfield. Casey started climbing the pocket, and then something that we haven't seen for years, I mean, even before Tommy Armstrong, was a check down to a running back in the flat. And that's where you get that great hit Anthony Grant delivered. Anthony Grant done killed a man. Hey, we didn't witness any murders well, last night. The same same thing. Finding Grant on Chancellor the Brewington on the outside, and he's the, that's where I was going with that. A couple of play designs, but it was in involvement of the tight end, mm-hmm. right? And you you can read this like, into it. Well, they wanted to get Vokalek involved because that's where he came from. He played at Rutgers. No, he's just like when you're seven foot eight and athletic. Why wouldn't you get the guy the ball? And he did. You know, he's been a heck of a blocker anyway. But they brought him in. Um, there were still some times that where just these little things, you know, Chancellor Brewington didn't sit down in that in that zone. They kept moving a little bit, so the timing was off, makes it look like the throws behind. Little things like that. That if they just clean those plays, three, four of plays a game that net you seven or eight yards instead of you know 
incompletion. Now it's third and nine or something. Well, then you got your your experience of reading a zone coverage as opposed to a well, man coverage. I'm also going to tell you what the offensive play of the game was last night that showed slowed that pass rush. The one time Casey tucked it and ran. It slowed down the pass rush. I think it was like third and five. Yeah, yep. he got 11 or 12 yards, it looked like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then when he started scrambling outside of the pocket, the defense was, you know, a little bit hesitant that he might take off. I think we got to start incorporating that a little bit with how bad the offensive line is. You got to get that quarterback moving uh, so it's not just all out pass rush. Well, it's 11 on 11 football at that point. I mean, the, yes. you give him the lanes, and, and if he can keep climbing the pocket, like you said earlier, the lanes are definitely there. And, you know, for I love Trey Palmer. I think we got to start force feeding the ball to Anthony Grant. If we can't get him going on the run game, those those little check downs are we we got to get him the ball there. He did it in junior college and was phenomenal at it. So why not do it here at this level? Utilize every skill set he's got. So uh, we are going to take another quick break here. When we return, we are going to talk about uh, some of the X Factor players from the game yesterday. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back I got to the a fever. And the only prescription for that fever is more cowbell. Welcome back to the Church of Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and FCC Trucking. Let's go over some of the guys that uh, made some plays yesterday. What you got, Fitz? Start us off. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Garrett Nelson. He, uh, you know, Drake brought it up at the beginning of the hour, but I, I thought from play one, his energy level, I mean, there was – he makes a couple good stops. He was in on uh, a lot of assisted tackles as well. Um, but he just he was wreaking some havoc, and it wasn't just pushing up field. And, you know, it was running through the play. It was stretching it out and being – because a lot of the gang tackling that we're seeing, which we hadn't seen that before either, because there there seems to be a little bit more pride. There seems to be. But for him to hold his ground, he just – he he stepped up in a way that wasn't necessarily just on the stat sheet, but it was you know what guys I'm gonna carry you I'm gonna be the motor I'm gonna be the heart I'm gonna be the fire right now and let's go and I think we could start to see some guys you know thriving off that a little bit but I thought he played a really really solid game from start to finish I I thought the whole defensive line looked really good I I was impressed no. with the defensive line this as a whole This is where we pick no. a player no. at no. a time that's not, no. can't that's not no name that, a group that's Stop not doing who I'm picking it. that's not what I'm Conrad, picking I was just turn his mic off I was just building off of Conrad? what Fitz said I I We got to pick I, the whole I, defense I the defensive line looked good uh a guy that I that I'm going to go with here is um Hartzog, you know, the announcers talked about it early. He seemed to be targeted. He was hip to hip on both those big catches in the first half. Uh, I thought I thought he grew up a lot, you know, and I'm not throwing him on here because of that interception that was thrown into no man's land. I thought he played a really good game. Um, he forced an interception when he came off a of corner blitz. Uh, he grew up a ton that game. I, I thought he played really. I thought he played well, even after two big catches. He's got to get a little bit better on the press, but he, he had a good game. Well, and I think, too, that in the strange turn of events with all the offensive pass interference calls, right, you, They thankfully they leveled out, but I think with Hartzog a little bit, he's still not 
he's reading the hands a little bit. He's getting the hand up and trying to disrupt it, but he's not getting turned yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just going to come with a little bit more time. Right? He obviously hadn't been given those opportunities, so he's you know. And and I will I will say to his credit, I'll say to credit of actually the entire defense. And this is not one of my picks. <laughs> no, that to be able to continue to play that way is when you're changing quarterbacks from uh, Vedral to Simon and then you bring the tight end Tebow-esque to run and do that stuff with gloves and everything. Former quarterback, I mean, too. yeah, it's just to be able to stay in there and understand what the ball might look like coming out, how they're going to play. I thought I thought as a whole that was impressive. But, no, Hartzog stood his ground, got picked on early, as you said, and just said, you know what, keep coming. I mean, yeah. All I need to do is make one play, and he did. He made several. Yeah, I, I, uh, he was the freshman that most people really didn't expect anything out of coming out of Arkansas, and he, he's been a, a mainstay at that corner spot. So very to come impressive. in and, and take Tommy Hill's spot, and you, and you know, I think Tommy Hill's great, right? But Tommy Hill has not played the way he needs to play, and this is this is a testament to the new staff, uh, the new the new leaders of the staff. If you're not getting the job done, you're not playing anymore, and we haven't we haven't seen that for a long time. Yeah, and I think he stepped up at that spot, and he's doing some really good things there. He got picked on, but he learned from it. Uh, Nelson has made a lot of splash plays. I absolutely love what he's done. Uh, I'm going to just give you two here because it's the backfield. It's it's Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant. Uh, first half to second half, completely different game from those two. Uh, Thompson, I honestly thought he wasn't going to be playing in the second half due to the uh, the injury that he took uh, when Purdy came in. Um, he he he's a baller. He's 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 the kind of team leader that they, that team needs. But him and Nelson, one on offense, one on defense, it's great. Anthony Grant speaks for himself on what he did yesterday. So he's, how lucky has Nebraska been? You know, we can. I, I'm going to go all the way back to Tommy Armstrong with just warriors at that quarterback position that just get pummeled and get back up. Yeah, just imagine if we can get that line fixed, how much better it would be. I mean, I I think we we as a fan base we took it for granted with Adrian, um, but I think we're taking it for granted with Casey too. Like the I mean, last he's guy taking who, some shots that guys would not get up from. Yeah, the the last guy that I think we really appreciated their toughness from at that position was Joe Ganser, Zach Taylor, and and honestly, with some of the shots that Thompson's taken, he may be the toughest quarterback we've had and. I don't know how many. I mean, he's not playing with a broken jaw yet, but. Not yet, but. It's coming at this rate. There should be some assault charges filed on the offensive line. Yeah. With with Grant, the fact that he only had 47 yards rushing, which it's obviously it's low compared to what he's gotten, but it just felt like he had more. What was his total, though? He had 81 total. Yeah. Because he had uh, 34 uh, receiving. Um, I think sometimes he. And this is going to sound very particular, but I think if he would sometimes just go straight, there's probably two, three, four more yards there to be had. Yeah. Um, but again, it's he he does what he does, and he has that style, and it served him well behind the paper towel, not even bounty paper towel. <laughs> the ones that line you get, that we have the these one, are like the ones that these you are get like in the dollar store paper towels. To one where, fly. Yeah, yeah, and you just everything's coming through the wind, right? It's just 
but he's making he's making things work. So yeah, kudos. Yeah, to him. it's really hard to criticize. I mean, there was a couple plays. Oh last yeah, night. you're not, right. Where it's I'm not like, critis- but it's like where I'm like, just, just go upfield. Because mm-hmm. when you when you're looking at it, it's like third and four, and you catch it, and you've got those like just just get there and then make you know. And I want I want to get into this later too because we got to get through these players, but. I'd like to see some rotation at multiple positions throughout a drive. We saw that with Rutgers last night at their running back position. Obviously, right now, we don't have a running back that we can rotate in there yet. But I would like to see it throughout the drive and not just a whole drive to every running back. Yeah, I think that I running think that's back how you protect done those for guys. the year with A.J. Allen. But yeah. I, I, I do think there's some interesting guys in that backfield. We didn't see a lot of – I don't think we've seen Irvin yesterday. We did see Yant. And Who had one really good run and then – was soft the rest of the way. Well, then he had a really good run, really, really good hard run, explosive, and On then had a false start. Had a false start as a yeah, back. It was the very next yeah. play that yeah. doesn't help your case to stay on the field. Yeah, yeah, and, and and then on third and two, you got a half yard where you got upended. Yeah, Grant's running style though, I think, is perfect for this offense. And that may not necessarily be a good thing. He doesn't go down for a loss. He doesn't. And when you're getting hit three yards in the backfield, I think that's the reason that he does have to dance so much is because first contact is two yards minus. Yeah, no. but there was a few plays last night, uh, you know, one on a screen where he has the edge, but he doesn't see a big enough play. No, or, I mean, just a, a good one that I like to go to if you just go, hey, just go straight ahead. If you can go ISO. On fourth and one, he got you seven. Yeah, no, absolutely beautiful. That fourth down play, empty, empty backfield. I I hated that play call. Hated it. Fitz, who you got for your second guy? Uh, my second guy. I'm gonna stay on the defensive side of the ball. Is Reimer? Um, it's he didn't show up. Like you know, he's a Huskers leading tackler at this point. Um, same thing last year. Uh, but it wasn't that. It's more for me, sideline to sideline play. He's covering pretty well. Uh, we saw that last week with with a couple good hits, uh, including that phenomenal interception um, where it was kind of, you know, Levante David, Ohio State-esque, mm-hmm. uh, just taking it out of the hands at, at contact. But um, I just think that he he's not giving up on plays. Like, he, there's some things that have leaked out, and there's still a couple bad angles here and there. And you guys already brought up the stiff arms, but he's been there to clean some things up. And it's it's I think there's a little bit of heart, there's a little bit of drive from him that – we haven't seen either. And I give credit to Bush, and we know that things were simplified. We know that calls Bush. were taken out. Um, well played there, Zach. But just the fact that they're getting lined up, and they did it last week against Indiana, and I I'm, think he's just he's playing football right now. He's there not was thinking. one he's play playing. last night where I saw him looking frantically. It was like a third and eight, looking frantically, trying to make a call. They snapped the ball, and he kind of looked lost. And he makes a huge pass defense. Uh, defended a pass huge on third and long, um, where we looked a little bit disjointed before the snap. Uh, we're up against it here, so we're going to take another quick break, and we will finish this on the way back. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design as well as FCC Trucking. I think we all had one player left to go through on the previous one. You and I each have two left. I already went through my two. I went oh, through yeah, Thompson you, and Grant. You, you did Grant early. So, all right, I'll yeah. go. I'll go with my next two. Uh, 
I'm going to say Colton Feist. He he played a great job last. Played a great game at D tackle last night. He caused some havoc. Uh, this goes back to you know when Fitz was talking about Garrett Nelson. I said the whole D line played played outstanding. So I'm going to go Colton Feist. He uh, he did a great job last night, just creating a little bit of havoc. I, did he get a sack last night? I feel like he got a sack. I don't. No, I'm, there was only three total. Uh, O'Shawn had one and a half. He may have had a half. Yeah, he did I, have a half a sack on, on the one where yeah. Vedral almost made a magi- magician play yeah, to get think, out of it. Yeah, yeah. I was just I remember seeing Feist name. Um, so Feist, and then I'm gonna go with Miles Farmer. Miles Farmer had a big pick, and that that interception. You, I I said all three were off air. I didn't think. Any of the three were outstanding, but as I go back, I just actually rewatched two of them. The Brandon Moore one, it, it was a tie for me between Brandon Moore and Miles Farmer. Uh, Miles Farmer, I've been pretty hard on this season. He's been poor in coverage, poor tackling, uh, but he he made some big plays last night. Didn't never get beat, um, and I believe he saved the touchdown on the on the screen that we should have had for a loss. And Caleb Tanner missed the tackle. I believe Miles Farmer is the guy who got him at the end. I know Buford pushed him out, but Farmer is the one who who kept that play alive. Yeah, I um, Farmer played a really good game yesterday. Just for a real quick sec, because I know none of us had Brandon Moore on our list here, but can we talk about his story for a second? Where he signed with Nebraska. I think he's a walk on. Um, a week before the first game. A week before the first game, and he sings significant snaps the last couple weeks. And also making big plays when it counts. He he was with UCF back under Frost uh, when they were down there. I mean, that's – and Got I think hurt. he was out of football uh, for two years or uh, at least a year. Well, no, last year he was at FSU. But, oh, was he? Okay. But got hurt and had to redshirt. Um, was, you know, because of the COVID year, got an extra year. But, Maybe I'm thinking he hasn't played in a, a Yeah, I mean, he played he played one or two games his last year at UCF, transferred to FSU, got hurt, didn't didn't play a snap. Actually, and it's funny because he's wearing Aaron Williams' old number two, twenty four. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see that number making plays. But and, I mean, there's a ton of guys that the last two weeks haven't haven't seen snaps, and all of a sudden they are. Jamari Butler, guy God, we had on the podcast go. Um, last week. You know, I said it. He. He created pressure and then almost had an interception the next play. Then we blocked the punt, right? Um, last night, him and Hartsog come from that left side with a stunt. Hartsog comes on the corner blitz. They force the interception. Uh, there are guys that are getting reps that we have felt on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not throwing Brandon Moore on this list, but I am throwing Jamari Butler on this list. Guys that we have felt should be getting reps all season that weren't and now they are and they're making an impact yeah i one thing i really do like and i mentioned this yesterday was was bill bush's uh design on some of his the stunts and they're, they're nothing intricate but it's just beautifully executed and, and it's getting pressure and you know sometimes and you gotta not do that having if, to bring extra guys every time which that's ideally what you want if you can get pressure with four that's that that's great speaking of pressure uh, i went with oshan uh he's, he's another showed great up, game he showed up every game this season now He's not going to be a 20-sack guy each year, but he's a complete defensive end that can help you in every facet of the game from playing the run to getting pressure on the quarterback. And he and they mentioned it. He's not exactly where he wants to be and where the staff wants him to be right now, but he's in a good enough spot to make plays. O'Shawn has made quite a few plays yesterday, and now he's making some of the splash plays and getting some of the sack numbers. So 
uh, hats off to Oshon and what on what he's did, and and he's gotten better each game this and year. His motor, his motor is running right now. He's he's. It's not that he was exiting the field or anything like that, but he just. I think play in play out, you're getting high energy from him. You're getting really strong effort, and it's and it's sometimes those are those things that go unseen. But he's creating enough pressure where the quarterback's decision has now changed in a, in a split second, which gives Feist. A, mm-hmm. an opportunity to maybe sink the pocket a well, little bit and more. And he created got, the yes, Ty Robinson yeah. sack last he's week running, by reading the he's screen. He's running that. He's and a lot of times he's running his defender into the lane, into the body of the quarterback, and it made a doesn't come off as a sack, but it creates an errant throw, creates bad footwork. You know all those little things. But he's just doing that time in and time out. He's a he's a He's a Sunday guy. I will say just playing this at that all, level. I'll say this all season, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I'm going to pat. Oh myself. no, you no way. I'm with those pat- long arms. It's about the <laughs> back of the knees. But go I, ahead. I said at the beginning of the year, I didn't. I didn't think O'Shawn was going to be the stat stuffer that we all expect. I didn't think he was going to break the sack record. I didn't think any of that was going to happen. I thought he was going to do what he's doing, and that's create plays for other guys. His motor's been going all. He's he's having a very quietly fantastic season by just being solid. Just the guy being Sean. The guy doesn't make mistakes. He only had four sacks last year. I don't know why we expected 14 this year. Because we just needed something to yeah, believe in. No, ab- absolutely. The, the guy is quietly having a great year by just making sound plays. How often does a defensive end get 10 tackles, but only a couple of them are for tackle? He's chasing people down once they pre- pass the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and you've seen that at TCU. His pursuit is very good. His motor is one of his best skills, and, and we're seeing it. He's the used, unsung hero weekly. of this defense. He doesn't get enough love because he's not filling up the stat sheet, He's but he's been so good. Yeah, and, and it's impressive. Like I said, he, he started off um, against – Northwestern and and he had a good game and he's just gotten better every game since he's more consistent you know you're starting to see him flash a little bit more and I think with with the defensive line in general just being able to step up and Ty Robinson now having to keep people on us Colton Feist keeping people on us uh, Nelson on the other side I mean and and your depth is starting to make some splash plays yeah I, I mean that's what you want for for a position group that we were worried about depth I'm not as worried anymore that those guys that weren't starters at the beginning of the year, they're making plays. That the improvement from the defensive line is is pretty outstanding so far. Yeah, it it's and I think it's just consistency. But it, like you, but they said, what's going to unlock Ty Robinson this year? And, and and it seemed like the last two games, whatever they've done, I think it's simplicity, um, just simplifying the game has unlocked Ty Robinson a little bit. He's becoming that six foot six beast that. We expect it. Yes. Now, flipping sides of the ball, here's where I'm going. I'm I'm a little bit worried heading into next week. Is offensive consistency? When was the last time we kicked a field goal, guys? Georgia Southern. I don't know, but they were two for two on extra points yesterday, and that's good enough for me. And I, I was a little bit nervous at that when it was thirteen thirteen. Just we've been down that road. Yeah, you yeah, can't you can't sure. help it. I'm telling you, you just can't help it. We. But my George point Michael is, once said, "You got to have faith." My, and you know we probably could so have kicked Fred one Nurse. on the on the fourth. And I was listening to Limp Biscuit earlier. We could have probably kicked a field goal on the fourth and one, where we went empty set, or at least tried it. It wouldn't. If we miss that long field goal, does it really hurt us? 
because we didn't get the first down. It's kind of one of those positions where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, as we get into the home stretch here, you know, next week against Purdue could come down to a field goal, and we I think we're one for three on the year. Yeah, but Uh, we're number one in the division right now, and that's all that matters. Iowa can come. And I'm just bringing this up, like, I'm not confident in the field goal game yet because I haven't seen – we've missed two field goals, but they're both like 50-plus yarders, right? The, cra- the crazy part about that, though, if you, if, you flip the st- if you flip the stats to make it benefit your argument, which is what I'm going to do right we now. We haven't had to. boy. Haven't had to, but they're also putting it back on the defense because they're trusting them right now, which is a crazy statement to say. We weren't saying that three weeks ago, right? But they don't get that fourth and two or fourth and one, and they go for a seven-yard pass. I still – anyway – not going to question all of that, but you don't get it. You're now telling your defense go out there and make a stop, and they and they did it, and they gave us opportunities that forced the interception on mm-hmm. and on. Now you know the game turns like that. So I don't know if, if you you put it on the foot. Now you you, know, you kick off. They've they've kind of had a break. Momentum's not necessarily one way or the other. I think we can you know say that if you can trust the defense like that, we're 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 good. But offensively and just. It was a homecoming for him. I did have Bokalek on my list. Uh, he and Brewington have, have been consistent um, and heavily involved, but I think Bokalek probably underrated for his blocking. Um, I think you could put two or three guys on that offensive line as tight ends and help with some blocking. Like w- they, Real quick, just while we're on the subject of Bokalek, I do want to say that play design at the goal line when they faked the inside uh, read to Grant and then went right over the top because that linebacker sucked in oh, hard. Oh, and they showed it when they showed it from the end zone cam. Yep, because the guard pulled too. Yep, yeah, and so and he it filled just, that oh. gap, and it was it was absolutely beautiful. That play guy, design. What about the third and eleven slant that I've been calling for for two decades to Vokalek for a first down? Well, Vokalek hasn't. It feels like he's been here for two decades. You're just saying the play, yeah, not throwing it to Vokalek again. And for I, two I, decades, one of one of the live tweets I put out during the game was, "Hey, I I've bitched and moaned about you know bubble screens and all that stuff for years." Uh, and you guys are worried about me. I I've complained about all that stuff for years, but last night for most of the game we saw no easy passes. Nothing that we've seen on first series where. Hey, we're just going to pitch out to Trey Palmer, let him go. None of that. Um, and then in crunch time, we see an easy slant go for 14 yards when we need it most. I mean, things like that are going to help. We need. We talked all off season. Short, easy passes as an extension of the running game. We got to get that going. If we can't get the running game going, it's almost why does Nebraska have to make easy look hard? Yes. Do easy well, and then the rest falls into place. And. I, I think part of it is, you know, Casey's looking for the for the home run on a lot of those, but some of those easy passes are there, and they're going to have to go back to the film room this week and, and recognize it. Yeah, that's what those checkdowns are for, so you got to utilize them. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we are going to go on our coach's conclave. What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope? Are you talking about a conclave? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for this week's edition of Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance. 
we've got our coaches conclave. Uh, if you want to join in, in the conversation, give us a call, 402-951-1620, or anything else, just give us a call. Uh, who wants to start off? I can go first. I'm also going to preface this with, I don't believe I brought this one up on the conclave. I've talked about it on Twitter. I've been in wars about it just because I like I like to anger some people once in a while. Uh, I'm going with Bill O'Brien. And here's here's why I'm going with Bill O'Brien. My bad. I got to put an Alabama twist. Boo. <laughs> Roll Tide. No. Uh, here here's why where I'm going with Bill O'Brien. First off, we're going to start with what he did at Penn State. All his best players transfer as he comes in. Still manages a top thirty recruiting class. Saves that program from the depths of hell. Essentially, I mean that's where they're headed. Has two good years. Goes to the NFL. All-time winningest coach in Houston. Uh, once he got the GM role in Houston, obviously things didn't work out. Guy's got a couple Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator, QB coach. He's coached both sides of the ball at the college level. Um, he's currently at the Alabama School for Coaches Who Can't Coach Real Good, learning how to do that. People say, you know, he, he jumped ship pretty quickly, but he had a chance to get back to the NFL this year. This offseason didn't take it because he made a commitment to to Saban. I and and here's the biggest part of it for me, because he's an offensive coordinator right now. He he has no ability to bring a whole step. Not everybody at Alabama is going to follow him to to Nebraska, so he's going to have but to. It's such a desirable location. He's going to have to dive into his large rolodex of coaches. To give us have a shot at giving us the most elite staff possible. But I think he has. That's where I was. My mind goes though is that he has connections. He has. Right. He's been in the industry, and it's not like he's going to look around and say, "You know what? This this guy that just got done coaching in high school and never punted, so he's going to be really good for the college game." We've seen that. We've been there. I think he could he could put a staff together to where to the point where. He's probably not even the offensive coordinator. I think he's gotten to the point now, too, and there's a lot of these coaches that are going to come out where they are really, and we knew we threw this around with Frost, they are that CEO, right? Mm -hmm. He is just the, he's the leader of the program, and you get the right people around you, and now you're just, your ability to do the day-to-day, I think that's where he could be because he's grown, though, too. Those yeah. things weren't happening before, but I think he's, I, I'm not, I would not be, upset if he got the job it would just again come he's, down to to come down to who does yeah. he bring who does he get he's to probably for number five on my top five doesn't he just and and maybe this is not fair but doesn't he just strike you as an nfl guy i know he's been in the college ranks for quite some time with penn state and now alabama and but just doesn't he, growing up in but the there's a lot game. of talk though that he doesn't like to recruit now i don't know if this is kind of where you're going he just with reminds that. me of callahan a little bit more where it's 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 Used but to being able to he, deal with these personalities yeah. instead of the volatile nature but of 18 has, to 22. Yeah. But he's done it. So and maybe that, that's and not yeah. here's, my, here's my pushback. And I had the, I did this. I had pushed back on this with, with another coach last night on Twitter. I don't, A, I've asked you guys this. Nobody can answer this. I don't know where this theory that he doesn't like to recruit comes from. I have no idea. He's never said it. I can't find it. Did an outstanding job at Penn State in a, in a three-week span to finish a top 30 class when they had – Four years of no bowl games, four years of scholarship reduction. He still managed top thirty classes back to back years. But at that at the same point, 
are are head coaches really elite recruiters anymore? You think Saban's leading the recruiting charge at Alabama? Do you think Steve Sarkeesian's recruit? No, it's your position coaches. But uh, the the head coach is the closer. That, that, well, but that's where if I want to go pull with the big that. Richard I don't want. Move, yeah, that's what you do. I don't want the head coach now just to be the name that can go in there and say, "Hey, I'm." Because we've seen that. I think we've seen that last four years. Whatever you know, whatever you want to believe. I if if my if the team wants to get better, I think the head coach has to be there leading the charge, not just being told these are the guys we want. And, well, it, and, and maybe he, it's behind, the, maybe it's the, behind the scenes, and it's like these are the guys, types of guys. But he's a quarterback guy. He's developed quarterbacks. He that's I Tight think ends, he's really linebackers good. Yeah. too. Um, I just I my pushback is once a guy becomes a head coach, you don't hear very much of a head coach being the elite recruiter. Who are all the elite recruiters who get hired every year? A position coach, a coordinator. Now, the head coach has to give them direction. You have to have the vision. And I think Bill O'Brien's a guy that can build that vision, build that vision, build that system. Whoever whoever it is, I think keeps Mickey, keeps Apple. Well, <laughs> no, but that not that. I think that head coach has to be an, an elite recruiter because you are now it's not Hey, let's let's see what we can do. Whomever that is has to have the mindset that I can fix this, and it's going to start. Everything starts with me, and that's recruiting, that's development, that's coaching, that's everything. Who's a head coach out there right now that you consider an elite recruiter? Honestly, I mean, I you you mentioned it. It's your Lane Kiffin, it, I guess. It's your closer. I mean, you're you're going to have your top level recruits that. Hey, if it's on the fence between this guy and this guy, yeah, your you, your head coach is going to know who's on the board, and your head coach is going to be involved. But it's not going to be every recruiting visit that your head coach is going to go to. I, it's probably, I would say, I don't know, it's going to be involved at least fifty percent of them. I want more involvement. A, I just don't want the closer title. No, That's no. where I'm going. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, Saban at one point could recruit, right? I mean, he's yeah, not you, an elite you recruiter to, today. You don't get to the top level by being a, a bad recruiter. But one thing you brought up about Bill O'Brien, and I think this is what needs to be a, a key point in the Nebraska head coach, is you don't need someone that's an implementer. You need someone that is a teacher, someone that is a builder, because if you have someone that's an implementer, you're going to have the same problems that you just had with Scott Frost. There was no system to implement, and that's why there was chaos and impulsivity, and, and, and it didn't seem structured. If you've got a guy that can structure a program, it's not going to look pretty the first year. That's that's what we have to all realize. It's not going to be a, a light switch turn on. But if you've got a guy that can instill his culture and what he's looking for, I think it can work. And, and Which he did it, at Penn State. And that's what I was going to say. That's why I could fight for Bill O'Brien because he's been able to, in a small sample size, take a program from being in a very bad spot to, a, a, a pretty good spot where they're and at. he coaches he coaches based on where he's at in a way the types of systems that because now that when you brought he that up it's exactly you're exactly right though zach because frost tried to implement some of what oregon did but again oregon was doing that in the pac-12 it's not the big 10 yeah he tried to implement what ucf was doing in what conference usa or wherever they were playing but i don't ever think there not, was a identity no and, and that's, that's the thing he's trying, to, he's trying to, to oregon parts, after it was already built like he didn't witness yeah. the building the the last thing i'm going to say about bill o'brien and then i want to get get to your guys's picks we'll get to him on the other side of the um for bill o, the big thing for me and whoever the next coach is they have to 
enjoy the process. They have to love that process. And you don't work the majority of your last two decades in football under Bill Belichick and Nick Saban if you don't love the process. You don't love the grind of building you know, a championship organization. And willing to go with what you're expected to do. So now just take Bill Belichick, take Nick Saban, and now just insert, and it's a little bit different, just insert Trev Alberts in there. And if he's willing to go with the flow, if he's willing to listen and do what's expected there, and we didn't necessarily see that in Houston, that's kind of where it was, but it seems like he's a company man, and mm-hmm. I think it, he could be he could be a fit. Yeah, I thought he was great in Houston. I mean, when he took over Houston, that's still a, re, a building of an yeah, organization. But player personnel issues is where I was going with well, that. That's and, the, the and contracts. That's, that's where and, he yeah, became, when he became GM the last three years, yeah. There, there's some inexcusable stuff there, trading DeAndre Hopkins, right? But... He also totally changed the NFL system to fit Deshaun Watson. The guy, like you said, he coaches. Took that college spread from Clemson, or right. a, a version of yeah, it. Yeah, I and... don't want to talk about the Deshaun Watson issue. I oh, he didn't bring like... the, so was, no, 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 did no, Brian no, no. bring in the masseuses? Is that... no, no, no. Okay. But what what I'm saying, like, you you brought it up. He, he coaches to where he is. He coaches to what he has. I don't think he's going to walk into Nebraska and see what we have and say, oh, we're going to go, you know, Wisconsin power pro he's gonna say okay we have the guys for for a successful spread how do we make it work better yep exactly you do, you don't square peg round hold it when you're trying to do a true rebuild which I mean there's pieces every you, coach we've had has tried to do that unfortunately yeah there there's been no rebuild and I think that's where we're gonna see some growing pains but we're gonna take a quick break here when we return on the other side we are gonna get to the other two coaches in the conclave now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and FCC Trucking. We are going to get to our other two coaches in the coaching conclave. Fitz, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'm going to go again. We kind of put the this isn't necessarily who we want, but who some options could be. And I'm going to go with Gary Patterson. Uh, he's, Gary? A, he's a special assistant uh, down at Texas right now. Uh, got out when the rumors were swirling that he was going to be let go at TCU. Um, were there some health implications in that, too? I feel I don't like there were. I think so. I think there were some other implications of some um which is kind of why when you when you talk about this you've got to look at both sides of it and not just you know go for the rainbow but he uh some players were and some other people maybe questioning um if he was putting guys out there who were injured if he was you know being too hard on the players stuff like that but from 1998 to 2021 he was their defensive coordinator and safeties coach um for the first three two three seasons and then had ran the helm at uh, at head coach um 11 11 bowl wins um you know 181 and 79 overall he's a defensive mind now i'm going to add this to it and you know it could happen if the right guy comes in let's say a bill o'brien for example cuz i could see this where he's a special assistant right now and i'm not sure he's he's 62 if he if he wants that head coaching job but i would not object to him if it's you know if depending on what happens with bush as defensive coordinator but i think he's a guy that um again we we say this too maybe too often where did better with what where he was you know recruiting to to fort worth at tcu academics stuff like that is a little bit more challenging 
I think he's got he's he's got some minds. Applewhite is familiar with them. So all Trev has to do is say, hey, what's your take on this, right? Is this somebody that we should even consider? Mm-hmm. You know, what was going on down there? Those are the – because you've got guys that have been around now and you have these connections and you just work it that way too. So Trev, yeah. they have the the search firm, but Trev's going to do his due diligence, right? He's he's professional. So uh, I, I think he's somebody to at least consider. It'd be interesting to kind of see what, what, what comes out with that. I, I, I like that one a lot. And I think – Gary Patterson's downfall at TCU is kind of a mixed bag. I, you know, leadership, there were some leadership changes above him. And, you know, we've talked about that, that that's important. Um, it, it was the downfall of Bo here. I, I was always surprised that Gary Patterson never moved on and took a bigger job. And I think that, that was the ultimate demise. He, he just stayed at, a program for so like and I'm going to throw TCU into this. I'm going to throw Baylor into this. I'm going to throw Iowa. Like there's there are a lot of Power Five jobs where you have a, you have a hard cap of a ceiling. Whether it's resources, facilities, you know Nebraska's problem isn't either of those. It's our five five hundred mile radius for recruiting. So I I just think as for guys like Patterson, you're just going to start to see more people in those jobs, Dave Aranda at Baylor, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, not stay at those programs for so long and try and break through that ceiling because there's just some places that it can't be done. Yeah, I'm out on Patterson uh, by about six years. If we would have gotten him uh, two previous – In his 50s? Yeah, if we would have gotten him two staffs ago, I'd have been I'd have been good with him, and I, and I was pretty high on him. Um, I just feel like with the way the career has – on the last few years i'm good on him but i i like him joining the staff yeah i mean he doesn't do much for me honestly i just i, I think he's at the point of his career where it's stick behind the scenes or well that's what i'm saying i'm i'm okay with him joining our staff in like an auxiliary role oh like yeah an maybe analyst. an analyst or something yeah with you know if you get a strong enough head coach in there um i think he'd be fine with it i went with the guy that you mentioned matt campbell i know he's not a sexy hire in quotations but when you've got two very successful coaches in Dave Aranda and Lance Leipold that say they are fashioning their program after Matt Campbell, I think that's a ringing endorsement of the guy. He's done great things at Iowa State, and it's not always sexy. And it, don't get me wrong, he hasn't beaten Iowa as much as he wants to. But he's built a sustainable program up there where I believe in his tenure as a head coach full-time where he's – been the head guy i think he's only had two losing seasons that includes toledo as well as iowa state so it's a very impressive what he's done the mac as well as in the big 12 i i have been very anti matt campbell during this whole coaching search um and i was having this conversation with with a coworker and one of our our listeners and followers this week at work and i kind of talked myself into it after looking at his history looking at iowa state's history um you're right. He's built a sustainable program. And I, I've said the whole time when I've been anti, anti-Matt anti Campbell is there. I think there's a not necessarily a ceiling, but I, I think there's a shelf life at Iowa State for success. There's definitely and, a ceiling. It's about yeah, nine well, wins. Yeah, but I, I have specifically talked about a shelf life where you can only do so much for so long at that program before it starts to go bad. And 20, 2021 was supposed to be his best team ever. They kind of had a down year for them. Um, based off of what he had done previously. And I was like, see, shelf life. But 
he still won at a place that is historically the hardest place to lose, win. And I believe they, as a program history, historically, they have more losses than any other Power 5 program that's out there. So uh, I've talked myself into being okay with Matt Campbell. Not splashy, not my favorite, but definitely acceptable. Yeah, he's he's a guy that just... He he doesn't do anything flashy, but we've made the splashy coaching hires. We've we've brought the hometown guy back home, and and hasn't seemed to work. And I, I think, and every coach that we're mentioning, we are all under the impression that Mickey is going to be retained, most likely Applewhite with what he's done, and most likely Bush. I mean, if you're going to do a staff changeover, which obviously we are in the process of. It's very rare that you get 100% new faces in that new room. You're going to get some carryover to branch that the players that you've got on on staff now to the new staff, and, and you've got that familiarity, and then the recruiting ties. There's a lot that goes into it, and the way that they've held the season together, it, it's a no-brainer to me that those are your three must-hangovers. So. Uh, absolutely, and you know, I like I like Bill Bush being retained as the defensive coordinator just from the improvement the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, so don't uh, look well, at me all confused. <laughs> no, sorry. Fitz said something and it confused me. What's uh, Lovey Smith doing? Can we get him? Lovey the... Smith is the Texans head coach. That doesn't answer my question. Can we get him? Do we want him? He's got the best beard I've ever seen. He's got the greatest name. And the best beard I've ever seen. Yeah. Look, I, I want mean, to talk to Brian Munson. Yeah, I'm. I'm a very about big documentaries I'll, I'll ask, and I'll, music. I'm a, that's what we're getting to. I'm a very, we all can't have what we want. I'm I'm a very big I I like Lovey Smith. I don't think Lovey Smith fits at Nebraska. I think Lovey Smith is 100 percent an NFL guy, and Hater. you see that from his time at Illinois. Agreed. Hater. We're <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we are going to talk to our guy Brian Munson. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance. We are now joined by Husker Online and on three's very own Brian Munson to help us get to up to date with the world of recruiting. Brian, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, it's a it's a victory Saturday, man. I don't it, I don't think we've celebrated one of these before, so uh, feeling pretty good about this. Did you uh, Did you watch the whole game last night, Brian? I well, I watched the whole game on Thursday, so I was. I was definitely going to watch the whole game on Friday because it was a whole lot more compelling. But, uh, yeah, definitely saw the whole thing through last night. It just, yeah, from Thursday to Friday, I'm not going to say that, you know, those two games were doing much for Thursday or Friday night football in a way. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was interesting. Would you like to see a little bit more college football come back on Thursdays and maybe compete a little bit with the NFL again? Um, You know, 
I, I guess I, I was always a big fan of it. I mean, I, there was nothing really better than kind of coming home on a Thursday night and going, man, I really have nothing to do. And then you would flip over to a station and they've got the Mac game of the week. And that sounds really, really, really boring to a lot of people, but, but I just, it's college football. And, and I guess that, you know, I, I'm always into it no matter who's kind of playing. So uh, I, I don't think I'd mind it too much. Um, I, I do like what, what Amazon's kind of got going on with, you know, with, with their broadcast. And I, I like what's kind of go, what's happening there. The game last week or this week was terrible. The game next week probably won't be much better. Um, it's going to be yeah, terrible. I, I, how does the Bron- yeah. how does the Broncos keep getting prime time? I think it was just because the Broncos are trying that method, you know, that where the, you can go out and get a veteran quarterback and put it on your team, and all of a sudden you got a Super Bowl caliber team. Let's ride. They, 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 they kind of fit that mold, but yeah, it, it, they don't have the rest of the, the makings of a, of a Super Bowl. What's more dangerous, game. Russell Wilson on the field or eating that sandwich? <laughs> Uh, that's that's uh, that's kind of pick 'em, isn't it? <laughs> At this point, if that sandwich is anything like the play on the field, I'm getting food poisoning. Well, and if yeah. if if it wasn't for the Broncos' defense, they they wouldn't really have much at all. Which which brings us to our recruiting talk today. Um, the Huskers have a couple of recruits for 2023: Dwight Boodle, uh, Hayden Moore, committed right now. There's most likely going to be a shift in in the defensive coaching staff, um, depending on whether Bush stays and he attains that role, new head coach, or, or whatever happens. Um, does Nebraska, are they in a good spot to keep keep those two guys on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I think both those guys have got some ties back to Nebraska. You know, obviously, Dwight's older brother, DiCaprio, played for Nebraska, and I think Hayden Moore has got some family ties back to the state and back to the football team as well. I don't think those have been as well publicized as, as others, but um, <clears throat> I, I do think it's still going to be a challenge. I mean, it's not going to be without, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, dodging, maybe them potentially taking other visits or waiting on to see what's going to happen with the defensive staff before they could finally say they're standing by Nebraska or anything like that. I mean, Hayden picked up Texas A&M, I think earlier this week, um, and I think that uh, I think Boodle is is still hearing from a number of schools, and and why not? That kid is that kid is physical. He can run. Um, he's a, he's a real lockdown kind of man to man corner, which is exactly what Nebraska is, is looking for with rotating through the various cornerbacks, trying to find the right guys to put out there on the island. Um, but Hayden Moore, to me, he may be the best defensive recruit in the class. And, and, and I know that takes takes a shot at some kids, like you know Rogers would definitely want to have to say something about that, and Van Poppel as well, and, and Maverick Noonan. But his numbers, Hayden Moore's numbers, are just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to, to logging in tonight and tomorrow to check out, you know, how he did this weekend. But that that kid's double digit, you know, total total tackles every single week. Um, I know he was talking about kind of closing in on a sack record. He's got to be over five or six sacks on the year, too, coming from a middle linebacker spot. So he's a heck of a playmaker. I think it's going to get really difficult to hold on to both those guys, but it's really just going to matter, you know, what happens with Nebraska's staff as we kind of move in closer towards December. Brian, I, I hate to bring the mood down, but after watching this offensive line the last couple of weeks, do you feel a shift in high school recruiting for offensive line, 
or is this something that we're going to try and fix in the portal, you think? Uh, it's got to be in the portal. I mean, Nebraska is incredibly fortunate to find <clears throat> three, D, three D1 offensive linemen in the state. You know, that's, that's huge. Gunner, Sam, Brock, going to be good players, but they're going to need some time. And Nebraska needs help tomorrow. Um, Yesterday. You know, they, they went out they, yeah, they went out and found a junior college, you know, offensive lineman down at Coffeyville, but but you know, Keyshawn um is gonna be Blackstock, Keyshawn Blackstock, he's gonna be this the nationally like top rated junior college guy. I mean, he's he's over thirty offers already and most of those have come since September first, although he's not really kind of doing anything with recruiting right now. I mean, the fact that he's in Kansas but but from Georgia Maybe that gives Nebraska kind of a chance to to get him to visit, but he's got some huge offers, Tennessee, Oregon, you know, on and on and on. Um, I I think Nebraska has got to be scouring around, looking for another Keyshawn, you know, Blackstock, you know, maybe again somewhere else to try to find him and maybe get him in the picture at least to where they can be considered. But I think to your point, I think come December December 5th, Nebraska is going to be all over the portal, and I and I think it's going to be guys in the trenches. I think it's going to be offensive linemen. I think it's going to be defensive linemen. Um, I think that's going to be, a, and then it's going to come down to who are the other players that have told Nebraska that they they intend on transferring, and then going back and trying to figure out how the rest of that needs to be addressed. You know, along with the top things that we're already seeing so far this season. So if they're if they're going to jump into and have to jump into the, there's no question about it jump into the portal uh, on December fifth as you mentioned um, that gives us a timeline. Are you obviously confident that whomever whether it's Joseph whether it's an outside the uh, program candidate right now that they're going to have to name this coach prior to that so that they can get everything lined up and know exactly who and what they're going to be after once those doors open like Black Friday going into Target. Yeah, they have to. I mean, I, I think you're seeing a lot of other things coming together that have got to be put into place to basically support the actions and the timeline that we're kind of talking about there. You've got, <clears throat> you've got, you know, the NIL collective that's kind of coming together. Um, that's got to be in place because Nebraska has to have that kind of all figured out. And, and, and then, you know, you need to have a guy that's, or a person that is named the head coach by December 4th, and I would say it's even got to be sometime, you know, probably the week after Thanksgiving, um, to where that person, you know, is ready to roll. They have aligned with, you know, what's kind of going on in the recruiting department. They have kind of taken that last look around about what's kind of going on in the portal. And then come December 5th, they are on it. And that is their job. Now, that is, <clears throat> that's of course to say, I mean, and let's just talk, I mean, we could talk about this a little bit. It's the elephant in the room. <clears throat> that's if to say that, ne- that Nebraska is not like in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, it, it's it's pretty wild that we're kind of even still talking about this. But I love it. How things have kind of started out. But Brian, what was the last time we were the sole division leaders? I don't even know. Big I Eight. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, it, it would definitely be Big Twelve. Um, well, hey, it, come on, guys. We played in the Big Ten Championship. We've we've been in the lead of the Big Ten West before. Maybe, maybe we were legends, but... It's been 84 years, guys. With Bo and Taylor Martinez against Wisconsin? Yeah, that didn't go well. We don't really like to bring it up. I'm just, I, 
we we've been I mean, at one point when Mike Riley was eight and zero, we had to have been in first place of the division. We obviously didn't win the division, but hey, this is something to hang our hats on, boys. Even if it only lasts for twelve hours. <laughs> and if it lasts longer, do we call a doctor? <laughs> yes. Okay. As the well-renowned uh, philosopher Dominic Toretto said, it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning is winning. winning. I'm really upset I that would, we just quoted Fast and the Furious. I would agree with that, too. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think going back to that original question, I, I think that Nebraska has to have a person in place, preferably by December 1st, at latest December 4th, and they have got to have a plan. And that plan has got to include – getting all over the offensive tackles that are going to be in the portal as of December 5th, December 5th. Hey, Brian, there was a group of, uh, we'll call it recruits from the Michigan and the Tennessee areas that came up, and yep. Nebraska's really starting to make tabs with these players, some highly recruited players. If Nebraska keeps going on the winning trail they're on, do you think that this makes it a more realistic destination for these players? It absolutely does. I mean, I don't know how realistic any of those guys are, but the, the fact of the matter is Nebraska brings them in, they win. It's a Nike Memorial Stadium. What's ever greater than that? I mean, that setting in itself is always fabulous. But, I mean, you, you, you bring those guys in, <clears throat> you show them a winning environment, you show them the game day environment there in, in Nebraska, then you get the win. And I I think it's it's one of those things where they've, you know, they've been to Knoxville. They they were going to East Lansing and they were they were heading out to all these other places. And when they come back and they say, Well, Nebraska was the best atmosphere I've ever seen. I mean, that is something that's gonna resonate. It's gonna and it's gonna hang out there. Now, I like you said, those are some very highly touted twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five guys. They have got some they've got some offers already. They're gonna have plenty of options at the end of the day. I just give I give props to Applewhite and Joseph, you know, for having the, the having that ability to reach out there and get those guys in. A lot of those guys, you know, were picking up offers in, in that in that May June timeframe. Those Michigan guys had just picked up the offers a couple of weeks ago, and they were getting them on campus. So that, that's pretty incredible, where you can kind of turn things around that quickly and get some guys from out of state to to take a trip down to Lincoln and check things out. But I I, I think that. I think Nebraska is showing right now, you know, that they're going to continue to, to push and try to get those higher caliber kind of players, the guys that are the, the guys that have some stars behind their names. And I think Nebraska fans are going to have to understand, you know, that that's a selection process by the recruit going back to the schools, and they're going to lose far far more of those than they're going to win. But if Nebraska brings in ten of those guys and can get one, it's a win. It's an absolute win for Nebraska to be able to kind of be able to go out there and find that kind of guy and get him out of Michigan and Michigan State's backyard or out of the out of Tennessee's backyard. Absolutely, and and just yes, like Mickey and and Apple White and Bush just being on the trail. It, it, you know, it, it's one of the few times I felt like. I'm completely at peace with what they're doing because I know they're they're doing the right things to get the right guys in. Brian, are there any games this weekend that are really sticking out for you that you, you're going to be watching today? Uh, you know, well, OU Texas. I mean, I'm I'm actually driving around in North Platte, Nebraska right now, enjoying the 40 degree temperatures because it's tropical, it's still isn't it? In the 80s. Yeah, it's still in the 80s down there in Dallas, and I start heading back later on this afternoon. So I'll, I'll say Texas OU because. Um, Oakland has not fared too well the last two weeks. They really did the, you know, three weeks ago against Nebraska and Lincoln, 
Um, so I don't know what you're looking at there and what that team psyche is kind of at. Texas is favored like by nine or ten points. Um, TCU Kansas was an interesting game today. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how what TCU can do to Kansas in Lawrence after you know wiping out OU in Fort Worth. So um, sad to say, I'm I'm going to be kind of glued into a couple of Big Twelve football games. But those are the two games right now that have really got my attention this weekend. Yeah, there, there's quite a docket in the Big 12. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see TCU in Kansas and, and, and kind of see which which Kansas shows up and if TCU can stay hot. And then you got the Red River rivalry, which is always a, a game. It's just weird to see neither team has a number by them. I, it, it is. And I know that, like, yours is coming back, supposedly. And, you know, you, you just don't know what to kind of make of that when you've got such a highly favored team in Texas playing OU in, in a neutral field and you got a quarterback that's coming back and you and you you have to assume that he's still dinged up somehow but this is the game that they said we want you back by this week and they underlined it and and it's like we'll take 75% yours versus you know 95% the other guy and and so it's just going to be really interesting to see because he he clearly looked the part against Alabama um so I'll be very interested to see how Quinn Ewers uh, plays the local kid down there from South uh, South Lake Carroll. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him back and hopefully healthy. But, hey, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the games today, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you. Thanks, Brian. All righty, boys. So that was Brian Munson. What's up, Fitz? Oh, nothing. I just was just enjoyable listening to him. Oh yeah, he's um, he's a, he's a pleasure to have on every weekend. It's just crazy how much knowledge one guy has for recruiting. Well, it's it's almost like it's his job, and he likes it. Yeah, which crazy. isn't a bad combination. Crazy how that works, boys. Before we take off today, are there any games you guys are going to be specifically paying attention to? Because Nebraska won last night, and uh, we're number one in the division. Uh, I'm watching Iowa Illinois uh, just Why? because I have not seen a ton of Illinois. I'm interested what they look like. Iowa's a ton team. is the coach. What about the rest of the team? <laughs> no, uh, he's the dancing orange or the, the, the fighting orange. The Illinois Illinois, D, Illinois offensive line running game is has been impressive on paper. I want to see it in action. Uh, Iowa's defense is still very good. I I want to know if they're making any adjustments on on the offensive side of the ball after Michigan last week. Can they move the ball a little bit? Uh, you know, just looking down the road for our schedule. We talked uh, TCU in Kansas, and as you guys aptly said, uh, Kansas is out there running back, but they still have a dynamic uh, quarterback. Is Leipold's luck going to continue, right? Is it a flash in the pan? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And then you've got you've Oakey got State. somebody like Sonny Dykes on TCU, who I'm not saying this for Nebraska. I'm just saying that he might – he continues what he's doing as well, and this could elevate him to – you know, maybe finding something else as well. But yeah, Oki State, Texas the Tech. I'm yeah. a man. I'm 40. All right, yeah. everybody. That's not true. <laughs> That's it for Fitz, Drake, myself. Thanks for tuning in this weekend. Uh, we record tomorrow at Church of the Corn. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.